Hello, fellow foodies. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Cassandra Quave, host of Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious. If you'd like to support the podcast, it's as simple as buying me a cup of coffee. You can go to buymeacoffee.com slash foodie pharma. Speaking of coffee, on this episode, we're going to explore an interesting alternative to a cup of joe. And I'm not talking about chicory. We're returning to one of my favorite Mediterranean fruits, which is actually flour. And while the parts of the plant may be a bit confusing, one thing is certain, and that is their delicious flavor. You may know which one I'm talking about, figs. To learn more about their history and relevance um, in everything from religion to culture, be sure to also revisit a prior episode on figs that we recorded with Dr. Mike Shanahan. Now, today we have some special guests. They are Andy and Marianne Whitehead, co-founders of Fig Brew, which is based in Huntsville, Alabama. Marianne is the VP of Sales with a background in management and marketing. Andy is president and also a co-founder. He has a PhD in atomic, molecular, and optical physics and was a research scientist at Pacific Northwest National Labs before evolving into the food and beverage sector. Andy has been a coffee lover since the age of 12, and they both roast and grind their own coffee beans from all over the world, but found that the acid and caffeine limited their participation in the coffee culture that they loved. And this is when they began exploring the tasty potential of roasted figs, a coffee alternative that's right in the wheelhouse of a coffee drinker, and thus Fig Brew was born and formed in 2021. So thanks so much, Marianne and Andy, for coming on the show. It's great to meet you both. Thanks. Thanks for having us. So I'd like to start with a, a, a bigger picture of the history of fig. Can you tell us a little bit more about when figs were first kind of used as a coffee alternative? Well, that's a good question. In the literature anyway, they've been used since at least 1873. In uh, 1873, in Germany, there were at least 20 factories that manufactured uh, roasted fig as a beverage. And Vienna had a worldwide reputation for its coffee at that time, in part because of the fact that they added roasted fig to their coffee. So it's been around a long time, uh, at least 150 years, and quite probably even longer. Uh, Probably as long as coffee has been around, people have have been looking for coffee alternatives. And in fact, it's quite frankly a testament to to coffee that uh, when coffee is no longer in supply, that people look to roast whatever they can get their hands on. You reference chicory, uh, got to start the same way. So yeah. fig has been around for at least, at least that long. That's great. And so, you know, figs you can find throughout Europe, I guess. And um, when we think about what we might consider a fruit, tell us about the anatomy of a fig. It's not really a fruit, right? What can you tell us about the anatomy of a fig and how you go from this, this um, flower um, to something that resembles coffee grounds? Sure. Yeah. So as you referenced, uh, figs are actually inverted flowers. The uh, petals of the flower fold around and form the skin, the undeveloped buds on the inside form the fruit. And that's why you don't see flowers on a fig tree. So it's really a remarkable plant. Uh, And to get from that fruit to roasted 
big that looks and smells, tastes, brews very similar to coffee. It's a process very similar to coffee. Obviously, we start with dried figs. Fresh figs are way too perishable. The, the skin's very fragile. So we source from farms that uh, sun dry the fig, vacuum pack shipped to us, and we roast and grind them in a process very similar to coffee. It's, uh, so coffee is a Maillard process where you're breaking down the amino acids. Uh, some of the same goes on with figs, but you're also caramelizing the fructose. Obviously, figs have fructose. Most of it gets caramelized during the roasting process, but not all of it. Uh, and so when you finish, you end up with a product that looks uh, like coffee, but it has a slightly sweet uh, taste to it, just barely detectable. Uh, you can uh, taste that leftover fructose. And then we grind it using uh, commercial coffee grinders. Uh, so the finished product uh, actually looks, smells, tastes, and brews remarkably similar to coffee. Yeah, I was, you know, I, I brewed a cup this morning of um, some samples that, that you all sent. And the one I tried today was a chai blend. And it was really nice. It was, I, I was really surprised at how much it looks like like coffee. I mean, I have some in my cup right now. Let's see if I can get it to show in the, oh, without spilling on my computer. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's black in there. And um, it tastes a lot like um a lot like coffee. I had the chai blend, so it's a little bit, has those kind of nice chai um, flavors, but that roasted flavor definitely, definitely comes across. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the caffeine situation? Because as I understand, this is naturally um, decaffeinated. It is, yeah. So there's, uh, so there's no caffeine in figs to begin with. So there's no decaffeination process technically. And so it's 100% caffeine free uh, in terms of how it looks relative to coffee. Uh, you can apply the same same kind of metrics. Uh, mm -hmm. For example, uh, coffee is people lately have tried to uh, qualify coffee or quantify coffee based on the dissolved solids. So you referenced a dark liquid. Well, you know, there's coffee, there's tea, there's other dark liquids, Coca-Cola. Lots, lots of different liquids come out looking dark, but what, what is special about coffee is the dissolved solids, and that kind of separates it from tea. So I'm, I'm a real coffee aficionado. Marianne, on the other hand, loves her tea. Tea is more of an infused process and so has less dissolved solids than a typical cup of coffee. But if you look at the dissolved solids in figs, it's very closely aligned with that in a brewed cup of coffee. And so, you know, with coffee, the, the, the different brewing processes extract different amounts of uh, dissolved solids all the way up to espresso, which is typically one of the ones that uh, extract the most dissolved solids. So in general, you know, every one of your senses is involved with that participation in the, either the coffee or tea culture, right? From a coffee lover, you know, you hear things being ground, you smell, you know, you hear the water boiling, you hear the water poured in the, in the brewing uh, apparatus, uh, you smell the, the coffee as it brews, you see it. If, you're a, if you drink milk in your coffee, then it needs to look a certain way when you pour milk in. And that's all part of the experience, right? Before you ever taste it or smell it, it needs to look like your typical cup of coffee looks when you put milk in it. And, Roasted fig is 
is frankly the only coffee alternative I've found that looks just like coffee does uh, from a perspective of putting milk in there. So you're really using all your different senses to get that coffee culture. And that's kind of where uh, roasted fig has uh, been manufactured from the ground up to be right in that wheelhouse. That's great. Well, what can you tell us about the chemical makeup of, of um, figs as they compare to coffee? We know that, you know, with coffee, we have um, xanthine alkaloids. So caffeine is an example. And to make decaffeinated coffee, it actually has to go through a chemical process to remove the caffeine from the product. So it's not, let's say, as close to nature as um and, and you know, an herbal tea might be when it comes to having a decaffeinated hot beverage. Um, and in this case, this is naturally caffeine free, but what are some of the other types of molecules that we might find in fig brew that contribute to its flavor or to its health properties? Sure, well, the, the most prominent being the breakdown of the long complex carbohydrate chains that form the fruit of the fig. You know, I reference fructose. Most of the fructose is caramelized in a process that breaks down that fructose chain. And so what's left over kind of gives you a little caramel uh, note to the, to the mm -hmm. beverage. Uh, from a nutritional standpoint, obviously there's no caffeine, but it's high in vitamins A and K, it's high in potassium. So it kind of regulates uh, blood, helps regulate blood pressure. Uh, mm -hmm. And so the, the fig is not roasted at quite as high of a temperature as coffee. Uh, it's roasted for a lower temperature at a longer amount. So you don't have the, the smaller hydrocarbon chains and that typically break down into more of a, of a bitter black, black looking uh, yeah. look and taste uh, compared to coffee. Yeah, no, I can definitely, I can definitely note the, the kind of caramelized flavor to it. I like to drink coffee black. Actually, I'll take that back. In the morning, I like my coffee with a little bit of milk to kind of sop up some of the tannins. <laughs> yeah. And then my second cup is always just black. And so this this is actually a really nice drink um, served black um, because it does have a little bit of that inherent sweetness to it, um, but not overly so. And I don't like sugar in my coffee. It's kind of too right. much for me. So this is just the right amount. This is great. Yeah, and most people will probably find it a little less bitter. Mm -hmm. uh, so figs are alkaline versus acidic. Uh, and so, you know, even though the, the figs start as alkaline, uh, you know, one of the dirty little secrets is that if you just boil coffee or boil water, you're going to get something that's acidic. The carbon dioxide in the atmosphere forms carbolic acid in the, in the water. So even if you start with alkaline water, you'll end up with uh, something that's acidic just by boiling water, but uh, compared to coffee, it's a much smoother, mellower taste uh, yeah. than what you would normally get. So I'm, I'm curious about, you know, we have a lot of scientists that listen to the show, and I'm curious about your transition from, you know, a, a PhD level research scientist job in a national lab to starting your own company. And I know that we have so many creative people in the sciences space. And I was just wondering if you could share any wisdom that you gleaned from that transition um, to forming a company? And were there nuggets of wisdom you learned from, from your work in a lab? Um, and how does that apply to kind of this entrepreneurial application of your science knowledge? Yeah, good question. That's not a common path from <laughs> a uh, research scientist at a national lab to a food and beverage. But what 
what science teaches you is critical thinking. You know, it's invariably you approach a problem that has never been solved and you find some way to solve that problem. And that ends up being your dissertation thesis. And from there on out, it's just a matter of redoing the same, publish or perish. You find a problem that has not been solved, you address it, resolve it, publish it. And so, you know, what that teaches you is critical thinking. And that critical thinking can be applied to any number of things, not the least of which is how to run a company efficiently. Mm -hmm. So it, the transition from a, uh, a practicing scientist at a national lab to that of a business founder and you know, owner and growing a successful business was probably more of a transition from than that transition from running a technical company to one running a food and beverage company. Mm -hmm. uh, but you, you apply the same logic. I mean, every day you're confronted with different problems uh, and not the least of which is recognizing a solution in plain sight. And so that's what really motivates me. Uh, I just love finding something that somebody has overlooked or didn't recognize it for what it was. And so that's what a lot of the physical sciences are about is observing the world around you and then interpreting what's going on so that you can then turn around and use that to predict other events successfully. And so it is uh, it's not uh, apples and oranges. I see it very interconnected and you know, you're solving problems every day. You're making mistakes every day. You just hope none of them are fatal. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. And I can, I can imagine you're still, you know, using a lot of those data analysis skills. You're using a lot of Excel spreadsheets, I imagine. In, oh, yeah. <laughs> in oh, yeah. okay, well, well Marianne, I want to ask um, about things from your perspective, um, because this is, you know, something from a sales perspective that perhaps the general public is not as familiar with. Like who would think that you could have something that would resemble coffee coming from figs. And I'm, I'm just wondering what that journey has been like for you from kind of an outreach and marketing to raise awareness around the value of figs. It's definitely a learning experience from definitely for us because we're starting a business, uh, food and beverage, but educating the public. Um, first thing they say figs um, and <laughs> brown, and then they go, no, no. And then when you get them a cup and their eyes light up and they, they take a sip and they're like, wow, this is amazing. And like Andy pointed out, um, I grew up in South Africa. I, I grew up drinking tea. So tea is my preferred choice of beverage, but tea lacks, it doesn't have the body sometimes. So figgy for me is just perfect. It has that body, it has that richness. I make a latte, especially when it's really cold outside and you've got that chill in your bones, but it doesn't have the bitterness of coffee. Um, if you said to me, please come and see me at a coffee shop, I would cringe because I can't drink coffee. It's just too bitter. But Figgy gives you that, just that right blend of sweetness. It's not too sweet. It's not bitter. It's just perfect. So every, for everybody out there like me that's looking for a cup that they can drink without that, I don't generally need the caffeine. I'm not that um, I can stumble out of bed in the morning and, and, you know, just hit the ground running. I don't need that caffeine. So, but it's interesting from, it's just lovely to see people's, reactions when they take their first sip and their eyes light up and they're just, wow, this is so good. Who knew? Who knew? And then we've changed people's lives. There are people that have written and said, I've missed my coffee and I couldn't drink it. And you've given me something that I can drink now. And 
it's changed their lives because it's with acid reflux, they've had issues with their heart, they can now drink Biggie and not worry about it. So it's just nice to see those reactions. That's great. Yeah, you bring up a good point. There are definitely, um, you know, due to different medical concerns or during pregnancy, there's there's lots of reasons why you may not be able to consume caffeine. And this is a great alternative other than than just an herbal tea. I could see how that would be really exciting for people. Um, from, a, from a practical standpoint, this is a question I had when I was brewing my first pot of, of, of the fig brew. Um, how does this compare to brewing, uh, you know, coffee grounds? Um, is is the amount of of powder of, of the grounds similar, or what's the process like? Is it is it difficult to brew, or is it is it pretty simple? Nope, nope. It's very simple. Uh, it's brewed just like coffee. In fact, we can demonstrate here. Great. Uh, in terms of, uh, we have a French press. I'll hold it up here. Uh, mm -hmm. Kettle. Uh, in our here in our French press, we put uh, roughly about two teaspoons of roasted fig. Okay. Now, uh, from a usage standpoint or serving size, it's about ha uh, twice as strong as coffee, so we'd use about half as much. Okay. So it brews faster, it lasts longer, both in the in the ground form and in the liquid form. So there's a lot of advantages to roasted fig, and so just for this purposes of demonstration, I'll uh, make a cup here, or a couple Great. of cups, two cups. And for those listening on the on the audio version of the podcast, he's pouring some nice hot water into a French press. He's got two teaspoons of the fig powder inside, the roasted fig powder, and letting that kind of brew. Yep, so oh, it's already turning dark, yeah, very quickly. Yeah, yeah. So for coffee, I would normally allow a French press to sit for maybe about four minutes mm -hmm. with roasted fig, 30 seconds or a minute and you're done. It's fully brewed. Wow. So brews, brews much faster. That's great. And so I'll pour us up a cup and you can see that it's very quite, it's quite dark even. Yeah, immediately. It's a little bit of a uh, little bit of time in the pot with hot water to brew. Mm -hmm. Pretty much any anything you do with your favorite cup of coffee, whether it be I'll a, just spill it. a latte, <laughs> whether yeah. you, you drink it straight, you can do with figgy. Um, so you can flavor it with your favorite um, creamers. So it's just whatever you do with your regular cup of coffee, you can do with figgy. Yep. So uh, French press is very easy. Uh, uh, Mr. Coffee with a paper filter works great. Pour over. About the only thing you can't do with roasted fig is an espresso machine. Okay. Uh, it's it's not the hard coffee bean, and so the steam kind of gets absorbed by the by the fig and, and makes a mess all over your counter. <laughs> Experience. <laughs> uh, but everything else is pretty much uh, fair game. Uh, it keeps you right in your wheelhouse. It is not an instant, so there are grounds that can be composted, uh, and you know you can. Uh, leave it is shelf stable lasts for a long time i pulled it out after two years really and seen mm -hmm. no difference in taste where when i roast my own coffee beans and grind them i stick them in the fridge after two to three weeks i really don't even bother anymore because they they'll be oxidized with a noticeably different taste mm -hmm. 
Well, that's great. Well, this has really been fascinating. I mean, it's it's been fun. This is my first time ever having a roasted fig coffee, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and it's fun to see all the different ways that plants like figs that have had such a long history of use in medicine and food and religion um, can have, you know, new uses, new applications, although maybe this isn't such a new use, as you said, you know, it was used in the 1870s, um, right. also as a coffee substitute. So that's really exciting. And uh, thank you both for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Sure. Thank it was you our pleasure. Us. Yeah. Yeah. Great. You've been listening to Foodie Pharmacology, um, the podcast for the science curious uh, and the food curious. <laughs> um, I want to give a big shout out of thanks to our producers, to Rob Cohen and Christine Roth from Co-Conspiracy Entertainment. And I also want to um, share this info with you again, too. If you're interested in supporting the show, um, you can do so by buying me a cup of coffee. Um, it's a virtual cup of coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash foodie pharma. Um, thanks so much for tuning in each week and uh, stay healthy out there. I'll see you next time.